Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm talking about hair loss, which we all hate, and all the different ways that we have to improve it during midlife. Hi, and thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And this week, I want to talk about one of the most common complaints that I hear from my patients who are over 40, and that is about hair loss or thinning hair. So that's something we don't talk about very much, and you might think, what's that got to do with being sexually woke? But it's just one of the many things that play into how we feel good about ourselves and our self-worth. When we're losing hair, it's scary. I mean, nobody wants to lose hair. It makes us feel like we're getting old. It's frightening. We think we're going to go bald. It's one of those things that nobody wants. So I wanted to talk to you about the whole host of things that you can do about hair loss, if that's happening to you, because it's happening to lots of us. And there's so many things. So in my practice, I like to address all of them because they're all relevant. So let's just talk about some of the reasons why we might be losing hair as we get older or experiencing thinning hair. Uh, One of them is just genetics. You know, if you look at the other women in your family as they get older, some families just lose hair. And, you know, we've all got different genetic blessings and things that we wish we didn't have. And sometimes that's part of it. Uh, Sometimes it's hormonal. And that's why we see a, a real up in hair loss in women over 40, especially as we're approaching menopause, because hormonal change can really stimulate uh, hair loss. So many of us know that when major hormonal changes happen, for example, like after we had a baby, or maybe when we start on birth control or stop it, like where we have a huge sudden change in our hormones, we can experience a condition called telogen effluvium, which is a long name for basically a lot of our hair comes out at the same time. We don't go bald, but about 10% of our hair is in the same stage of growth and we can lose it all at one time. And it feels very alarming. This actually happened to me after I had my kids and I've got a lot of hair, but you know, seeing handfuls of hair coming out in the shower and your hairbrush is pretty scary. And so, yes, you won't go bald and all that hair will come back, but that is still alarming and it's not fun. So hormonal change, definitely a big cause of hair loss. And generally it's reversible, but certainly can be very upsetting. Now, specifically one hormone that we all talk about a lot here, thyroid. So thyroid deficiencies, it's super common cause of hair loss. One of the most common complaints with low thyroid is dry hair, hair loss, thinning hair, more brittle hair, second only to weight gain. That would be the most common complaint with low thyroid. So just to know there's lots of different hormonal changes and balances that occur when we're over 40, especially getting close to menopause that can cause us to lose hair. Some of them are genetic. Some of them are just part of aging. Some of them are caused by hormones. But nevertheless, uh, what can we do about it? So if you come to see me and this is one of your complaints, frequently we're seeing just thinning all over so that we have to um, do some creative things to cover those thin spots, maybe part our hair on a certain side or use different products. It, it's a hassle to say the least. You know, I talked earlier in another podcast about how cosmetic surgery can lead to freedom. I think it's similar in that way in that, you know, if we're having to do a lot of things and spend an hour and a half every morning making our hair look like it's not getting thinner, that's important. 
you know, it's a loss of freedom. It's a loss of our time. So, you know, addressing that's important. So if you come to see me, the first thing we're going to do is talk about, uh, you know, what you noticed happening, you know, what the pattern is that you're experiencing, do an exam, look at your head, see where the thinning is occurring. And then we're going to check your hormones. Uh, so commonly you might find that your thyroid is low. That can be addressed. Uh, commonly we might see that you're perimenopausal, that you're losing those three really vital hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Those are all things that can be addressed too. So let's just say we've addressed your hormones because uh, we've talked a lot about hormones on previous podcasts. So I want to talk about some of the other things that we can do. So we're going to address your hormones. Let's just um, take that as being done. And then let's talk about some of the things that uh, you might have seen or heard about that can help with hair restoration. And all of them work. And I actually like to use them all together because they all work differently. So uh, first of all, we've talked about platelet-rich plasma quite a bit here in um, the context of restoring sexual function, um, sexual sensation, lots of different things. But platelet-rich plasma is a huge in the uh, business of hair restoration. So if you look on Google about hair restoration, you'll see platelet-rich plasma pop up everywhere. And for those of you who haven't learned about it, it's actually your own blood. We do this in our office frequently. Uh, So if you came in for a treatment with platelet-rich plasma, we would draw your blood. We draw about 20 cc's of your own blood, which is about the amount of your size of your thumb. And then it's spun down in a centrifuge that removes all of the red cells and the white cells. So we're left with this very concentrated uh, plasma that's very rich in platelets. Wherever that's injected, our body uh, goes through a process where those platelets aggregate and a a reaction is set off where our own body's growth factors and stem cells start working to restore whatever was there. So it sounds like magic, but it really is science. If platelet-rich plasma is injected into your scalp, it will start to improve uh, the quality of your follicles and cause the hair follicles to grow faster. And so uh, with three treatments about a month apart, a small tiny needle like a Botox needle with multiple injections about half an inch apart throughout the area that's thinning, most patients see you know pretty good improvement. So platelet-rich plasma has been used for many, many years in lots of different settings like wound healing for burn victims. As we've talked about, we use it in the vagina for improving clitoral function. But injecting it in the scalp is uh, really an amazing way to uh, help with hair restoration, you know, partly because it's your own blood. I mean, you're not using any chemicals or anything that's not part of your own body, and it really works. So tons and tons of data about that. You can look up on Google. I won't bore you with statistics, but does it work for everybody? No. Uh, nothing works for everybody. Uh, so if you're, it works for men and women, but if you're a guy who has a shiny bald head and all of the follicles died 10 years ago, PRP is not going to work. So it, it can't not bring you back from the dead, but it can help to uh, bring life back to follicles that are still existing, but are not as healthy as they used to be. So it works really well for thinning hair. Does not work for restoring baldness. That's a different situation. So most of my patients are women and they come to see me just with thinning hair. So you, we still have hair follicles, but each hair each hair itself is becoming thinner and then the space between the follicles is becoming larger. And so PRP, platelet-rich plasma, does work well in most patients in that situation. So it's such an easy thing to do. Um, 
which is what I love about it. You know, we simply draw your blood. You would at that time be sitting for 20 minutes while we're spinning the blood. We put a very strong local anesthetic on your scalp so that the injections are barely perceptible. If we are lucky, we'll get about 8 to 10 cc's of platelet-rich plasma out of the 20 that we drew. So it's a fair amount of volume that's injected back into your scalp. So you, you'll have a little bit of bleeding in the scalp, just mild bleeding that stops very quickly. You might have a small amount of a headache. You can go back to normal activities. It's so simple, which is great. No surgery, nothing major, no drugs. So PRP for hair restoration is something that I really put you know, really up there in the front of things that I would recommend because it's so safe. It's just your own blood. So something really important to know about platelet-rich plasma is that it's only as good as your own growth factors and stem cells. So unfortunately, like everything, it doesn't work as well as we get older. So ironically, PRP is much more effective when it's drawn from a person who's 20 than a person who's 70. Of course, the 20-year-old doesn't need it, and the 70-year-old, our growth factors and stem cells are not as effective. So there's some really interesting studies looking at that. So one thing that we do, that I do, tell patients, and this should be explained, that you know, the older we are, the less effective our own PRP is going to be. So that's just something to know. So the results are better when we're younger, which is one of many reasons not to wait too long. So we don't want to, of course, wait till it's much worse because it's difficult to treat. And then, of course, your PRP becomes less effective with age. But one thing that's very exciting, you know, so much amazing new things coming out um, in medicine. Uh, for, for this very reason, you can enhance your own platelet-rich plasma by using umbilical stem cells. I know that might sound crazy and scary, but, uh, you know, some people donate their placentas after they deliver their babies. So most of us, when we had our babies, our placentas were thrown in the trash can. But in certain uh, places, uh, placentas are donated to registered stem cell banks. And placentas have an incredibly rich source of stem cells in what's called the Wharton's jelly, the gooey part of the stuff that's in the umbilical cord. I know this sounds strange, but you can harvest this and you can actually purchase it. And it doesn't need to be blood type matched or anything like that. Uh, so umbilical stem cells can be mixed with your own platelet-rich plasma to enhance its effectiveness. And this is actually really effective. Um, myself personally, I'm 54, so I use PRP myself um, in the form of the, what we call the O-shot for um, vaginal sensation. And so I've started using mine combined with um, umbilical stem cells. I have a friend who does this with me, Dr. Johnny Pete, who you might have heard on a previous podcast. And it actually does work better. Uh, so if you're older, you know, if you're 60 or 70 and losing hair, that's something to consider because your own platelet-rich plasma is not going to be as effective. And so adding umbilical stem cells is something we can do. It's very safe. Again, sounds strange. Just have to get your mind around it. So three treatments a month apart. And for the majority of patients, we see, uh, you know, it takes time to grow hair, of course, but in a few months, uh, some really significant change in both the quality of the hair, the thickness of each follicle, and the number of hairs, which is really cool because, you know, thinning hair and going bald isn't fun. And it's certainly one of the things that contributes to us not feeling so good about ourselves. And then all of the things that happen as a result of that with connecting with others and all that stuff that I love to talk about. So PRP, that's a, a great idea. So when patients come in, just say you came in and we first, we adjusted your hormones because that's foundational. You have to do that first. 
than maybe we did PRP. At the same time, I think it's a really good idea to do other treatments as well. So we in our office use a, a compounded mixture of Propecia, which is also known as finasteride. You know, this is a common hair growth drug, Propecia, and minoxidil, also known as Rogaine. So we can get compounded Propecia and minoxidil, and you take it by mouth. So a lot of you, including myself, might have heard some negative things about this drug called Propecia or finasteride because in men, it causes some unwanted side effects if it's used in high doses. It originally was used as a treatment for enlarged prostates for men. It shrinks the prostate. And it has been involved in some litigation regarding causing prostate cancer and some other issues for men. So just suffice to say, this has got nothing to do with women. So in women, we don't see any of those side effects. Those are all things that are uh, reported for men, even so we're not quite sure if they're true. Uh, but when men come in, we also prescribe the same compounded mixture of Propecia and Minoxidil, but just with a very low dose of the Propecia element because of that potential. So lots to talk about there, but just suffice to say it is safe. So Propecia, women can take it, doesn't cause any of those side effects. Minoxidil is the same thing as Rogaine. You know, you can actually get it from Walgreens, but taking it by mouth uh, avoids the, let's just say it's a hassle. I mean, putting Rogaine on your head every day, it's a pain and you do have to use it every day. So you can use topical Rogaine or minoxidil, but it's uh, annoying. So taking it in a capsule or pill, pill form, a lot of patients just find that more doable. It's just easier. And, uh, you know, occasionally we don't absorb it well, you know, it's, it's messy, it's difficult. So, so you can do PRP, you can do compounded uh, Propecia, with minoxidil, one or the other, or both is what I would recommend. Uh, so how do those things work? It's interesting. So nobody exactly knows how minoxidil works, except that it's a Rogaine, that is, a vasodilator. So it dilates the blood vessels that supply your hair follicles with blood. So that makes sense. Platelet-rich plasma does something similar. So these treatments together are just giving more blood flow to the hair follicles. So just like when you water your plants and give them fertilizer, they grow better. So you're just trying to supply more blood flow to those hair follicles. So once again, it does not work if your hair follicles have already died. So if you have a shiny bald head, that will not work. But if you have thinning hair, it very likely will work. That makes sense? So um, the process of the way that the finasteride works is that, you know, and this might sound boring science, but I think it's important to know if I'm a patient, I want to know how this stuff works. There's a hormone called DHT or dihydrotestosterone that is the culprit in causing hair loss. And that is a byproduct of testosterone. So uh, these drugs block the conversion of testosterone to DHT. And that's how that works. So we, we want that to happen. So less DHT, that's good. Uh, with less DHT, we lose less hair and we grow more hair. So another medication that you might be prescribed or you might have heard of is called spironolactone, spironolactone, long name. So that's uh, commonly described as an anti-androgen or an anti-testosterone, but actually, and it is, uh, but it works in two different ways. It, one of the ways it works, again, is preventing that DHT from working. It works a little differently. It works by preventing the DHT from attaching to its receptor, but end point is DHT can't work. So that's effective. So I was curious when I started learning about hormones, and you may be too, that on one hand, we might be prescribing you testosterone, 
because you're approaching menopause and your testosterone's really low and all of the things that go along with that, like low libido, losing muscle. And then why would we prescribe testosterone and prescribe spironolactone as well? Well, the reason is that, you know, sometimes that's indicated uh, because spironolactone can prevent your own testosterone production, but we would give you testosterone if you're not producing testosterone anymore, if that makes sense. So personally, my testosterone was zero and most of my patients' testosterone is zero. So spironolactone is not preventing you from producing testosterone. That's You've already done that on your own. But what it does do is it blocks the, that DHT receptor, and so it can help with hair loss. Um, and if you're taking testosterone, like me, you know your own testosterone levels will still remain high and, and help you with all those other good things that that helps you with, but it will block the DHT, which helps at the level of the hair follicles. So lots of lots of science in there and much more than you probably want to know. But long story short, it's really okay to take testosterone and take spironolactone at the same time or minoxidil or Propecia. And I personally had to get my mind around that. So you might have to as well, but um, you can have the benefits of testosterone and also have the benefits of these so-called anti-androgen medications because they work on a different pathway, if that makes sense. And then nutrition and stress. So everybody knows, and we talk about a lot, that uh, stress can cause hair loss, and that's absolutely true. Stress, whether it's perceived stress from the outside world or uh, physical, internal stress from things like lack of sleep, which is so common around perimenopause, uh, causes our cortisol to go up. So cortisol is a really nasty stress hormone. We need it in our body because it allows us to get into that fight or flight state that saves us when we're in an emergent situation. But having high cortisol all day long causes all kinds of problems, including getting fat, which we've talked about a lot, damage to your blood vessels. It causes cardiac disease, high blood pressure, all kinds of nasty things, and also hair loss. So um, absolutely reducing stress is helpful, along with the other treatments that I've mentioned. And then nutrition is huge. So we, we lose hair. You know, we see this all the time if somebody has bariatric surgery, for example, and they're losing, you know, rapidly losing weight because they've had surgery and they are often unable to absorb nutrients from their diet they can lose their hair. So you may have seen this in patients who've had bariatric surgery, but uh, they're super excited about rapidly losing weight, but they're not absorbing nutrients because their stomach's been made surgically smaller. And all of a sudden, all their hair falls out. Well, that's a terrible problem, but it's, it points to how important nutrition is for uh, hair growth and maintenance. So many of you have heard of a product, and I'll just tell you I really like it, called Nutrafol, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L which is just a bunch of vitamins. If you look it up online, a bunch of vitamins and some of the proprietary blend of plant stuff. <laughs> I honestly don't know how it works, but it really does work. Um, they've got some very compelling studies. Um, most of our hair loss patients, we recommend take it. It takes care of any nutritional deficiencies that you might have that are contributing to the hair loss. And uh, you know, again, really compelling studies. It's real science uh, invented by doctors. Uh, so Nutrafol, it's, it's a plant-based vitamin, no medications, and works really well. So lots of arms to this problem of hair loss. And if you see someone and you're experiencing hair loss and they just tell you there's one solution, I, I would you know, question that a little bit further because it's kind of like libido. There's not like one 
thing that causes loss of libido. There's not one single thing that causes loss of hair. It's almost always a combination of things. So just to review, hormones, always put those first. Hormones first. Thyroid, all of the other hormones that we lose as we get older, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. We want to check those. And then we want to do things to increase blood flow to those existing follicles. And that could be using platelet-rich plasma, depending on your age. We might want to add some umbilical stem cells and then using medications that help block that DHT hormone in our system that I mentioned. And also other things like vasodilators, minoxidil, also known as Rogaine, and then nutrition and then stress reduction. So it's a multifaceted approach. Uh, actually really easy to do all those things at the same time. I recognize that hair loss is not a small thing. It's a huge part of how we present ourselves to the world. You know, our face and our hair is often the first thing that people see. And if we're struggling with thinning hair and loss of hair, it can be a a huge hit to our uh, feeling of self-worth. And so anything we can do to improve that, already talked about lots of times, is the most important thing to improve our desire to be intimate with others. So it's got everything to do with sex as well. So if you're having hair loss, come see us. We can help you with that. And uh, take a look at the research. You can Google it. Everything I'm saying is proven by science. Real doctor, went to a real med school. We can do all of those things in our office. And um, we want to help you get your hair back. So come see us. And I will talk to you next week. 